Social Daily. Welcome to the award-winning Premier League podcast, Football Social Daily. Earlier this week, ex-Manchester United man Ben Thornley was with us. Scroll back in the timeline to hear the story of the class of 92 star who never got to graduate. But on today's show, it's Friday Fast 3, a trio of tasty top flight tussles, just five minutes a pop to share our thoughts on how they might unfold. Leicester City are running out of Premier League lives. If the Foxes flop against Wolves on Saturday, is it as good as game over for them this season? Dean Smith's side would swap places with either Bournemouth or West Ham in a heartbeat. Those two sides are doing battle on Sunday. Will victory for one of them be good enough to secure safety for another season? And at the other end of the table, can Newcastle United kick Spurs out of the race for Champions League football? turbulent Tottenham have had both on and off the field issues recently. My name's Niall, welcome to the podcast and I'm joined as ever this Friday morning by Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. Morning boys. Good morning. Good morning from you and the dog, Marley. Yeah, the dog's right on cue there, next door. The window cleaners are outside, so the dog's going mental. Uh, not that he needs any excuse to. He's not even my dog, but I already know what, what sets him off and what doesn't. So He's basically like a member of the team now. He's part of the podcast. Yeah, I think he's called Rocky, I think. What a name, by the way. Yeah, what a name, name for a dog. Um, what Have you got a dog, Joel? No, I'm not really an animal lover, I can't lie. We've got a cat. But we just like see eye to eye and that's it. <laughs> you got beef with your own cat. She goes her way, I go my way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Steer clear. No hard feelings, just don't really like each other's company. Um, it's like Guardiola and Mourinho kind of relationship. <laughs> yeah, Civil respect, but... but. <laughs> respect and that's it. Um, we're here to talk about the Premier League matches happening this weekend. We'll do that shortly, but there are other fixtures taking place over the weekend. It is FA Cup semi-final weekend. Before we get into that, though... There is a game tonight in the Premier League, Arsenal against Southampton. I was reading ahead of this one, by the way, that Arsenal are unbeaten against Southampton at home in the last 27 games. Southampton are bottom, Arsenal are top. There's a massive game on Wednesday as Arsenal take on City. We're all expecting Arsenal to win tonight, but there's that element of jeopardy in all of the statistics that makes me wonder something strange could happen this evening that could really kind of disrupt the... The balance of Wednesday's game because if Arsenal don't get all three points tonight uh, it kind of ruins the anticipation for Wednesday yeah it does um I can't see them not beating Southampton um I can't see any team not beating Southampton right now to be honest but <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's another little character test you know the, there's a lot of media now after they lost points you know two uh two weeks in a row from two nil up um so there's a lot of sort of I mean, there was always pressure, but when people are talking about the pressure, I think it just cranks it up a little notch. And it's like um, another thing to think about, another thing to deal with. But Arsenal have got more than enough talent to go win the game. Of course, they have. You know, they, could, they could probably win 3-0 with the B team, the way Southampton are going, and, and the confidence that's still running through Arsenal right now. It's not like they're um, failing to score goals and they've, they've hit a brick wall sort of thing. It, they're still flying in parts they just need to see it out for full 90 minutes really so it's um it's another test but I, I don't expect them to to drop points like last week I said uh, on this podcast that um I expected West Ham to get something off Arsenal just just had one of them feelings that I I, I, th- I thought they'd take it a bit uh as a, a bit of a given and you know 10 minutes in it looked like they were they were running away with it but this week I don't see 
I don't see that happening at all. I don't think Southampton have got enough about them to to hurt Arsenal in in any way, really. Yeah, I don't fancy Southampton to win, but I just got a weird feeling like what you had about that West Ham game. I don't know why. It's just got a strange old feeling that something might happen tonight. Maybe the pressure will get too much for Arsenal. Who knows? And a different type of pressure for both Manchester clubs at the weekend, Joel. FA Cup semi-finals. Manchester City have got Sheffield United. Brighton take on Manchester United. So... Interesting because Manchester United clearly have the more difficult of the two FA Cup semi-finals. I think we're all fully expecting Manchester City, though, to go through against Sheffield. We're not really giving them much of a chance, are we? Yeah, and I mean, it's rightly so, isn't it? Because City, whenever they play these kinds of teams, it's always just a one-way scenario where they end up thumping them 4 or 5 nil. It almost becomes like an attacking session for their strikers just to bump their numbers up for the season, whereas... Like you said, United have got a very, very tough tie against the side that you know Pep Guardiola has been very uh, flattering of in the last few weeks, calling them the best side in the world who play out of the back. Um, and judging from the United performance last night, if United do play like that on Sunday, it's going to be the easiest game for Brighton to win because Sevilla just were complete dom- completely dominant every, every in every single area of the pitch. And we know that Brighton are a very possession-based side, so it's going to be a really tough, tough ask, especially on such a big pitch like Wembley as well. Mm. Um, so it's happening to Man United. Are you worried about that? Like away at Anfield, you got demolished. You lost at St James's Park in a big game. You lost the Manchester derby at the Etihad. You lost at the Emirates three-two. The big away games this season, including against Sevilla last night, Manchester United have not just been beaten, but they've been pretty handsomely beaten. It's becoming a problem, isn't it? Yeah, but we've got a hundred percent record at Wembley this season, haven't we, Marley? So it should be a little bit. I bet you'd talk that bit... for a, a goal in the Sanchez Pichuan as you were <laughs> poor last night. <laughs> I know we don't want to talk about last night's game. I was we absolutely can do. bewildered we can do. at the mistakes. Okay. We can talk about the Carabao Cup one as well if you want. Ages ago, that. Yesterday in the office, right, Marley? We were talking about games being at Wembley this weekend, and he went. Is it the Carabao final this weekend? Like, he completely forgot that his own team were in the Carabao Cup final. I meant FA. He wakes up in the middle of the night going, Carabao Cup. They're all, they're all the same. All the same. <laughs> we, we're usually out of them both by this point anyway, so it's not it's different. hilarious. It's like, no, Marley, it's not the Carabao. That yeah. was February and you were in it. So <laughs> it's definitely not that. FA Cup semi-finals this weekend to look forward to I'm sure we'll be uh, talking about it on Monday whoever progresses to Wembley again for the cup final which takes place on June the 3rd but next up on Football Social Daily we're going to look ahead to another bumper weekend of Premier League action the games are ticking down but the excitement certainly isn't we'll talk about it after this Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. And as it's a Friday, we always do this at the end of the week. It's called Friday Fast 3. We pick three games from across Saturday and Sunday in the Premier League. And I give Joel and Marley just five minutes between them to discuss how they think things might go down. Once the timer is up, the talking is up and we move on to the next game. And I think I've picked some pretty good games for you. Where I want to start, though, is at the bottom where Leicester City welcome Wolves to King Power Stadium. The next two matches for Leicester are this one against Wolves, and then on Tuesday, they take on Leeds United, who have struggled, obviously, recently as well. Two sides close to each other in the table. Leicester currently in the relegation zone. It probably goes without saying, Joel, but we are in must-win territory now for Leicester City. 
Would you agree with that? 100%. This is the time to make or break the Premier League status, isn't it? And it's not just the next two, it's the next three, because after Leeds United away, they've got Everton at home. So it very much is in their hands. It's not like, you know, they've got to play all the big hitters all at once and it's going to be a difficult scenario. I mean, two of those games are at home as well. But we used to associate Leicester with having a pretty decent home form. They would make life really difficult for any travelling sides. But, I mean, when you looked at the last game where they lost 1-0 to Bournemouth and then the game before that, they lost 2-1 to Aston Villa. All of these games before that as well. Yeah, Palace and the Chelsea before that, a 3-1 loss. I mean, you have to go really far back to see uh, Leicester City's last home win, which was against Tottenham, a 4-1 win. I don't know how they manage that. Uh, But again, these are the, the home form, as everyone knows, is so vital for teams who are in the relegation battle because away from home, it becomes so difficult. And yeah, I think the next three games, if they can't get, you know, a minimum of, say, four points out of that, they're going to be in massive trouble because let's say let's say for example Southampton end up pulling off a shock and getting a victory against Arsenal at the weekend that all of a sudden puts them right in the race and Leicester are the ones who are going to be chasing the pack so for them I, I'm still quite baffled at how they're even in this situation to be honest because even when you look at the starting lineup that they had against Bournemouth at the weekend you look at that side and it's literally a similar type side that they had just last year when they were in Europe and they were doing pretty well and I think they got to the quarterfinals, semi-finals I know it was the Conference League but it just shows when you compare their team to all the teams around them like Forest, like Southampton, like Leeds there's a, there's a huge rift in quality and something's gone really fundamentally wrong there um, potentially with, you know obviously not being able to sign too many players in the summer and that's definitely had a knock-on effect on the team for sure and it's just going to be again, the next three games make or break I think if they can't get more than three points in those three games I really don't see how they can find a way back from that because it's literally the perfect types of games you would want as a team about to go down where you can bring the teams around you even more closer to you so for them absolutely vital and if they can't get anything I don't see a way out for them we said last week Marley that couldn't have been a worse start in terms of the fixture list for Dean Smith to come up against the Manchester City side and Erling Haaland, who's fast approaching 50 goals for the season in all competitions. And they were handsomely beaten. We expected that. You said that this week is when Dean Smith's reign really starts. Do you think that we will see that? Yeah, it um, it, it does. Uh, you know, the, the game against City is kind of a, a free hit. You sort of, if you get something, you know, it, it's in, it's incredible. But you don't expect to get something. But I thought the way they played, I know they were they were battered off the pitch in the first 25 minutes but second half uh, you know they got one back and I think they had a couple of chances through Ian Acho and it could have got a bit nervy at the end if, if he took them I think he I think he missed one um, I think he might have hit the post I can't, can't remember the game uh, too clearly now but they had chances basically is what I'm saying and if they can create them chances again against the team that is around them then uh, then you could be onto something because you know, Leicester have, have um, struggled to score goals this season. Um, Wolves have a, 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 as well. So, if you look at Man City last week, you know they they've you know they never struggled to score goals. They've got an absolute robot up front who just pings them in for fun. So, you're always gonna concede goals if you concede chances against Man City, and everyone does. So it's it's not a something you can't sort of measure against that because Wolves aren't Man City. Wolves. Wolves are going to struggle to score. I think only one centre-forward has scored a goal this season, and that's Diego Costa, unless you count Huang, who scored last week as well, but he's more of a sort of 
winger, deeper striker type thing. But, you know, it's it's going to be uh, nervy. But Leicester won't have many bigger chances to get it done because even though Wolves are, are down there, they're almost out of it. So that they're not absolutely desperate for a win. They're not a Southampton. They're not an Everton. They're not a Leeds. They're not absolutely desperate for it. It's a home game against a team that is is very beatable. So you've got to go and do it now, and and we'll see if they can. But uh, I hope they do because I, I do I do like Leicester as a club. I want them to to get out of this. But time's running out. Really, there's only eight games left, and you can't keep passing up these chances. Really. Two wins in a row for Wolves has put them on 34 points. As Marley says, that's nine ahead of Leicester City, who are on 25. And second bottom, you're right to say that Wolves probably need just a point because we've been saying, Joel, that 35 points is enough to stay in the Premier League this season. Is that something you agree with? No, I think you need around 40 this year, considering the amount of teams that have played each other. 40 points, says Joel. I'm still thinking 35-36 would be enough with the way that the fixture list is looking for those clubs down at the bottom. I do think we're starting to see it condense, though. Uh, a little bit of a gap between Leeds and West Ham in 15th and 16th. And it's West Ham United we're going to talk about next, incidentally, as they take on Bournemouth, who are a place above them and two points above them, albeit have played a game more, in 14th. So these two sides, they come up against each, each other, Joel. And it's led me to believe... The winner of this game could actually almost do all but secure their safety. Yeah, I think all but all but secure it for sure. I'm just more so surprised at Bournemouth, to be honest, because I think a couple of weeks ago, when we were all giving our three weeks ago, when we were giving our bottom three predictions, Bournemouth were all in our bottom threes, and our it's just been a really good run of victories for them. You know that that win away to Tottenham uh, in their last game, I think that is probably one of the most pivotal moments in their whole season in terms of just giving them that belief because let's not forget it was coming from behind as well and again you know the uh, the win against Leicester the game before that the game against Fulham prior to it the game uh, against Liverpool that they won they've got so much belief going into that into the final end of the season now that I just don't see them going down anymore and I think if they can win this game takes them to what 36 points you're pretty much home and dry then, aren't you? Because you've got another seven games to get a minimum of, what, four points? It's massive, massive credit to Gary O'Neill for the job he's done because they looked down and out a few weeks ago and it looked like them and Southampton were just the ones who were going to be cast-offs. But considering the form that they've been in, you know, three wins in the last five, that's all you need as a bottom team, uh, just a couple of wins back-to-back and you're pretty much out of there. But uh, for West Ham... You know, I feel like that European competition that they're in, even though it's not the greatest European competition, I think it's an easy way to just instill a little, be- a little bit of belief and momentum in their side as well. Because you saw, you saw last night the four-one uh, victory against Ghent. Uh, Declan Rice was sh- really rolling back the, I don't want to say the years, but rolling back the season in terms of his form, uh, scoring you know a solo goal and getting the fans back on side again. And I think that tournament maybe a slight blessing in disguise for them um, where they also have something to look forward to a little bit of an outlook in the season and even for them you know uh, they've not been beat they've only been beaten once in the last five games they've got some really good results especially the one against Arsenal just gone by uh, and all these games just culminate into a big massive ball of just energy and just belief and I think for them again they've got some pretty good games coming up against some of the big hitters as well like Liverpool, Man City, Man United and if they can hold Arsenal who have been pretty 
unbeatable this season bar a couple of games if they can do that against Arsenal then they'll for sure uh, think that they can do it against Liverpool United even Manchester City potentially Bringing it back to Bournemouth though I'm glad Joel mentioned Gary O'Neill Marley because I think he has done a really good job if we just rewind to February this is their results since then I'm just going to pick out the highlights a 1-1 draw against Newcastle United they beat Wolves away from home it was a last minute goal from Arsenal to ensure that the Gunners got a 3-2 victory they beat Liverpool 1-0 that was huge beat Leicester City they beat Tottenham they beat Fulham so really in terms of picking up results at the right time when you're up against it that's exactly what Gary O'Neill's side has done. Yeah, I think um, since coming in, you know, Gary O'Neill had it on an interim basis at first, didn't he? And he did really well, um, and then it sort of dipped. And that's when that's when you worry for for inexperienced managers. You think, you know, is he going to be able to pick a squad back up? Because it, it's so hard once once you're on a, a little rut and you're down there. It's so hard to to then refresh and, and go again and Gary O'Neill's done that to be fair 2-0 up against Arsenal you know that that's a bit of a freak result obviously it's disappointing but that's another result that can take the wind out your sails and, and almost doom you to to thinking oh we're, this just isn't going for us at all I, I remember when that Reese Nelson goal went in in that 3-2 against Arsenal when it was Bournemouth is this the wind out of their sails and is this Arsenal going on to the title and yet here we are what, two months later and still no one's sure which way it could go. Yeah, 100%. And and there's no, there was no bigger sort of result in that season, in, in their season or or anyone's season um, than, than Bournemouth then um, coming back. Then Bournemouth then coming back from, from that defeat and then turning over uh, Liverpool the next the next week. It was mad. So. Uh, and they've, they've been... Brilliant ever since, you know, they've, they've picked up wins against teams around them. You know, we've been saying for weeks, if you can get six points, if you can beat the teams around you, that's, that's all you can ask for as a, as a team that's down there. That's all you can ask for. That's that's your chance to get out and, and that's what they've done. West Ham with that win in Europe, do you think momentum's with them, Joel? Do you think that that changes their perspective because they were looking pretty shaky when it comes to the drop only just a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, 100%. It looks like a completely different narrative compared to two weeks ago where they were, you know, 17th, 18th. Uh, Moyes was getting very prickly in his press conferences, but now they might do the European, they might do the double and the relegation survival. (laughs) I'm not sure whether that was in time, but I'll let you off. Um, West Ham against Bournemouth at Dean Court this weekend. I wonder, are the winners of that one pretty much safe? the Premier League this season. Uh, Right, we're going to zoom up to the other end of the table now and look at the top four. The race for Champions League football has been interesting whole season long. Newcastle United have been right in and amongst it and maybe even the most optimistic of Newcastle fans wouldn't have predicted they'd be in such a good position and have had such a good season under Eddie Howe this time around. They host Tottenham Hotspur. It's at St. James's Park, a place where sides just simply don't go and win this season. It's been fantastic up there on Tyneside. For Tottenham, though, a turbulent week has concluded with the resignation today, Marley, of their sporting director, Fabio Paratici. 
Paratici was sanctioned by the Italian Football Federation and therefore wasn't able to operate in certain capacities. That ban has been extended to a worldwide ban by FIFA after appeal. The appeal was rejected. And so therefore Paratici effectively is frozen out of the job he needs to do at Tottenham Hotspur. So he's resigned. So it's another thing at Tottenham which has gone wrong. And it just seems to be one thing after another at Spurs at the moment in terms of problems and issues is it an indictment of the way things are going at the club? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think this is, it's almost like when it rains, it pours for Spurs. It's, you know, the, the on the pitch, they still look way away from where they want to be. Um, they tried to put a plan in place with, you know, the Italians coming in, Conte, Paratici, uh, and, and so on, and, and sort of, Take you take some players from Juventus in the summer like Kulusevski and Bentancur, and it sort of worked for a little bit. Then it all it's all just blown up in the face, like everything else has at Spurs for the past ten years or whatever it's been. I'm surprised the the seats haven't started coming out the ground and the beer taps and the cheese rooms all not gone gone off at Spurs because everything else is just going wrong. They can't they can't catch a break really. Uh, and this sporting director stuff, I'm not entirely sure about the ins and outs of it because. It's something that bores me to death, to be honest, because there's so many appeals and stuff that goes backwards and forwards. The Italian it's, FA are mad, aren't they? Because Juventus have just had their 15-point ban exactly. reinstated. So yeah, it's it's it goes backwards and forwards, and then you know he could be working next season again. I'd I don't know because you know like like you say, it'll they might change their mind. You might might just wake up in the morning and say, ah, he's not that bad. But Spurs just need to just almost start again. I almost think just. You know, another it's another false dawn for them. The Conte thing hasn't worked. The Mourinho thing didn't work. The Nuno Santo thing doesn't work. It's tough to know where to go from here if you Spurs as a as a club. Not nothing to do with on the pitch, and it's more like long term sort of strategy and stuff. Because um, nothing's worked so far, and, and it, it needs to because it's only a matter of time before Spurs start thinking about the revenue they're missing out on from getting in the Champions League and stuff if they don't make it this year and then next year as well and it becomes a problem with the the pay the payoff of the stadium and all the rest of it, it affects the transfers and it's massive knock on effect really isn't it so are you scared of Spurs they're coming to St James's this weekend they're a top four rival because of where they are in the table but they're in terrible form really you think about last week against Bournemouth you think about the fact they don't really have a proper manager there's no sporting director now there's disharmony in the stands I mean, they've got great players still, but are you worried about Tottenham coming to St. James's Park and turning you over, or is it just another team, another game? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, they're, they're capable of winning. You're not scared of them. No, you, they're right? capable of winning the game, um, and I'm never, never, ever, ever com- fully confident Newcastle are going to win a game because um, I've seen us lose in stupid circumstances before. Um, but the way the teams are the teams are at the minute and the clubs are at the minute, you know, you can only see Newcastle winning. We beat them at uh, at the London Stadium, not the London, the, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium earlier this season, um, comfortably. I think it was two nil, um, and it should be it, sh- it should be similar because it's the same team, it's the same formation they're playing. You know, uh, Stellini is is still there. He's basically. Conte without the the animation on the touchline, isn't he really? So, you know, it's it's it should be all right. I mean, we're coming off the back of a, a disappointing defeat as well. So, 
you know, we, we should react to that and, and hopefully get the win and, and kill off, well, not kill off Spurs in fourth because there's there's a long way to go yet. But the way they're just hanging on our coattails, if we win today and then beat Everton next Thursday, we can put, I think it's nine points between us plus a, a goal difference, which is way better. So basically 10 points and, and that's that's huge. That was going to be my question, Joel. Do you think if Newcastle United win this game, that does eliminate Spurs from the top four race? Aston Villa are sneaking up as well. They beat Newcastle last weekend. Uh, they've won five in a row, 50 points in sixth. But from a Newcastle and Tottenham perspective, the gap is currently three points and Tottenham have played a game more. So that gap will extend and that game in hand will still be there, as Marley says. Do you think a Newcastle victory does put an end to any faint Spurs hopes of Champions League qualification? Yeah, honestly, I feel like Tottenham are in a false position at the moment. I think the two teams that Manchester United and Newcastle need to worry about below them are Brighton and Liverpool, just purely because they have a lot of momentum going into the final end of the season, whereas Tottenham's has completely shrunk. Um, And I just think that as a United fan, if Newcastle won tonight, uh, sorry, at the weekend, I feel like it'd be the most beneficial result because like like Marley just said, Tottenham just seem to be hanging on, hanging on. Uh, even though the results aren't fantastic, they do slip up every now and then. Um, but I just think with the way in which Tottenham are as a club at the moment, just in complete disarray, upstairs, in the changing rooms, in the managerial aspect, they're just not a club that's galvanised at the moment. They're very... In, as I said a few months ago, they've got a bit of an identity crisis. I don't think they know who they are as a club anymore. And they need to go back to the drawing board this summer and try and fix that. Uh, but I think Brighton, considering they've got two games in hand, I'd be watching them like a seagull. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I don't, uh, know how, I don't know what to say after it's that. Always, it's always good when you, uh, you shoehorn in a little football reference into a, a common um, metaphor there, but. I'm not sure. Not sure you got away with that one, Joel. Watching them like a seagull. <laughs> watching watching them someone like with a packet, punt it with chips. a bag of chips on the seaside. Yeah, he's like a seagull watching Marley have his chip on Brighton Pier. <laughs> I know if you were a seagull, Joel, you'd just go around <laughs> on people below you. That's the sort of person you are. A <laughs> cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like a perfect way to end today's football social daily, doesn't it? That was Friday Fast Three. Let's have a quick roundup. Of the Premier League table, though, uh, before we do go, Arsenal still top, four points ahead of Manchester City on 70 points. Arsenal, of course, on 74. Those two face off on Wednesday, but the Gunners tonight face bottom of the table. Southampton City do have a game in hand. Manchester United, despite midweek Europa League defeat, are still in the top four challenge, of course. They're some way back from City in third, but they are three points ahead of Newcastle United after the same amount of games. Tottenham in fifth, as we've been saying, with Villa sixth, Brighton seventh, Liverpool eighth. From the bottom up, Southampton, as I've mentioned, still dead bottom of the table, 23 points, two points ahead of them in 19th, Leicester City, two points ahead of them in 18th, Nottingham Forest. So the gaps are starting to widen. Forest and Everton on the same amount of points, which is 27. Everton 17th, Leeds United are 16th and then a slight cushion of two points between Leeds and West Ham with Bournemouth, Wolves, Palace and Chelsea all above them. That is how the table looks. The other fixtures this weekend, apart from Arsenal Saints, which is tonight, Fulham Leeds, Brentford Villa, Crystal Palace Everton, Liverpool, Nottingham Forest. On Monday, we'll be back with another podcast doing our usual get in the sea, talking about all the things that have wound us up. And I already know what I'm throwing in the sea because we haven't had a chance to talk about it this week. And that is some of the nominations for the Premier League Player of the Year. 
I don't know if you boys have seen some of the names on the shortlist. We'll save it for Monday. There's a few rogue ones. We'll save it for Monday. That's it from us. We'll catch you next time on FST. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.